downloaded a movie called Red Tails. Red Tails was produced by George Lucas in 2012, and it dramatizes the true events behind the World War II and these soldiers called the Tuskegee Airmen. Formerly, they, they belonged to the 332nd Fighter Group and the 477th Bombardment Group of the U.S. Army Air Corps. Uh, they were nicknamed the Red Tails because of uh, the painting that they would put on the, the planes. They, they painted the, the tails of the plane red. And the Tuskegee Airmen were famous for a couple of reasons. First, they were the first African-American military aviators in the United States Air Force. You know, they, were, they, were, they, they were kind of put off, they were kind of segregated, but they were the first uh, military aviators. But they were also important because the military, they were in, given an, an incredibly difficult task. No one else had done this. No one else had done what they were about to do. So they were given an incredibly difficult task, and their task was this. What they noticed is as the, as the bombers went into uh, to do their job, um, they had some protection. The fighter pilots were with them. But what happened when the enemy started to come in with their planes, the fighter pilots left the bombers and they went to try and attack these other planes. Well, when they did that, they left these bombers wide open to attack and they kept falling from the air. They kept getting shot down over and over. They were getting shot down. These, these bombers were getting shot down. And so they developed another strategy, and this is going to be the different strategy of which the Tuskegee Airmen were going to be a part of. And this is what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to take their planes and never leave the bombers. Never. No matter what happened, regardless of what was happening, regardless of the attack, regardless of any of that, defend those bombers. Never leave them. And what they found out is this, that about 25 of the hundreds of bombers that went out only 25 ended up being shot down because of what they did. Their stellar reputation became legend. If you flew a bomber, you wanted the red tails to be with you. So in the movie, the Tuskegee Airmen, they gather around each other in an airstrip on the foreign land, and this is their motto. I heard it twice in the movie. This is their motto. The last plane, the last bullet, the last man, the last minute, we fight. The Tuskegee Airmen were accelerated not because, just because they were excellent pilots, because they never wavered from their mission. They stayed the course. They were absolutely faithful to stay with their mission, despite all the opposition, despite the attacks, despite all of that. They were faithful to their mission. And that is one of the reasons why they are celebrated today. No matter what happened, they stayed faithful to their calling and their responsibility. In the book of Proverbs, it says this. Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man, a faithful woman who can find it. There's something to be said about the task of being faithful, especially in a day and age where we see so much wavering. It's so difficult, the challenge that you and I embrace, the persecution that might come our way, the, the conversation that we had, the, the polarizing of our faith. People don't want to hear a message about the exclusivity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the book of Galatians, the book that we're studying, it reminds us that one of the characteristics, that one of the fruits that you and I are to, to embrace is this idea of a faithfulness, that we are to be faithful. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And faithfulness, faithfulness. That's what we're going to look at this morning. In our study, what we are looking at, and I hope that you're praying, praying along with me, is that God will work through the Spirit of God who lives inside of it, that God, the Holy Spirit of God, would work inside it to produce this wonderful fruit called 
faithfulness to God and love toward God and love toward other people and all these other things that we're to experience through the presence of the Spirit of God inside of you. And what I want to do is I, I kind of want to give you a picture of maybe a reminder of what we're talking about here. Here's the picture. Um, it, it's, it's two pictures actually side by side. The one on the right is a picture. That, that's our deck out back, and it's a vine growing. You can see the vine. Um, you can see the split. You can see the vine growing up, this nice green vine. I took that picture on Wednesday. Wednesday morning I took that picture. And then I kind of just broke the vine off. And look at the picture on the left. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, within a matter of three days, what's it doing? It's, it's, it's dying. Why is it dying? Because it's been separated from the root. It's been separated from the vine. When we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, what we're talking, ultimately, we're talking about a relationship. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Believers, you and I are called, John chapter 50, because of our relationship with Jesus, we are called to bear fruit. You know, he's divine, we're the branches, and because of our relationship with him, we are ultimately to bear fruit. Imagine going to Eckert's farm yesterday, and you go up there, and you're getting all excited, and you're going to pick these peaches, and you go up there, and they say, well, listen, man, we don't have any peaches here. All the, all the fruit trees, they, they didn't bear any fruit this year. Wouldn't you scratch your head? And go, wait, well, what, what is going on here? You and I, because of our relationship with Jesus, we are called to bear fruit. But there's a second aspect of it. There's a dependence here. Look, when you're separated from the vine, guess what happens? There's a possibility that we could wither and die. Now, I'm not uh, uh, thinking that you're going to lose your salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. But when you separate yourself from the word of God, when you separate yourself from community, when you separate yourself from prayer, when you separate yourself from the spiritual discipline, when you separate yourself from God, and you don't hone in and draw those disciplines into your life, it's easy for us. To think that we're all alone. And it's easy for us to draw and maybe die and wither a little. When we sang that song, The Blessing, I'm almost in tears. He is with you. He is with you. He is with you. And you and I have the privilege of affirming that verbally to each other, no matter what's going on in our life. See, we're talking about relationship. We're talking about growth, uh, dependence. We're talking about growth. Notice it says, the fruit of the Spirit is. It means this, that we're going to continue to, to grow and mature and develop. Well, we haven't arrived in it yet. You know, I stumble, I fall, I, I do good things, and then maybe I take two steps forward, and, and, and then I, I stumble and I fall. And, and what, what the Spirit of God wants to do is He wants us to continue to allow us to grow in those areas. Because over here, there's going to be a really difficult situation. And maybe over here, there's going to be a difficult person. And, and as we come together, we, we we butt heads with each other. We need to continue, be dependent upon the Lord, and bear fruit in those areas and to grow in those areas. What we're talking about relationship, we're talking about dependence, we're talking about growth. The other things we're talking about is health. You can look at that picture and see, wow, that one on the, that vine on the right is very, very healthy. The, the, the one on the left, there's something wrong. And what we're doing is through God's Spirit, through the Holy Spirit of God, we are developing a healthy aspect to life, love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all of those wonderful virtues, aspects of God and who he is, and allowing them to come into our life so that we look different and we respond in the midst of our world in a different way because God's Spirit is living inside of us. If you haven't turned there, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And let me just read the text. I don't know if it's going to be up there or not, but, but let me just read the text again. This is God's Word. You know, and remember, this is in the context of, of, of our fleshly lusts or our flesh, 
saintly nature. Go back and look at uh, verses 19 to 21. There's these acts of the, the sinful nature. And in contrast to that, it's, it's the demonstration and the work of the Spirit of God in our lives. And, and how are we operating? And, and notice what, what Paul desires the people of Galatia, who were fractured in a lot of ways, who had walked away, who had actually turned the gospel into something else. Notice how he wants them to respond, and us to respond. He says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, I told you that John Stott prayed that prayer, and we actually gave that prayer to you, and it's something that I have been trying to pray. Because when people looked at John Stott, they could see that he was a man who was full of the Spirit of God. And and I have tried to embrace that over the last month to, to pray that God's Spirit would work in and through me through these wonderful virtues that remind us of the nature of the character of God. Father, thank you for your goodness. Heavenly Father, we pray that every day we would manifest more and more of the Spirit of God. Jesus, I pray that every day we would live in such a way that we would deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow you, that we would walk in obedience to who you are and what you've done for us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that the spirit of truth, the comforter, would come alongside of us in accordance with your word, in accordance with with being able to sing together and share together and be as iron, iron sharpens iron together, that you would work in and through us, that we would bear fruit for your honor and for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So we're talking about faithfulness, and the word faithfulness is, is, is really a kind of a common and important word in the Bible. In the New Testament, it's simply a, a word for faith. Uh, it, it, the basis of our relationship with God being on the vine is, is our, our relationship with God is faith. In other words, as I, as I look to the claims of the, the Bible, I look to the, to the unique person of Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us and all of that, as, as I put my faith and trust in him, life, death, burial, and resurrection, his death on the cross for my sin, I, I'm putting my faith in him. I, I'm not working my way to heaven. I'm not working out these virtues in, in Galatians chapter 5 so I can work my way to heaven and God will accept me. No, what I'm doing is by faith, I'm trusting in the life, death, burial, and the resurrection for my sin. And I have that relationship with him because of my faith in him. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, we all know this verse. For it is by grace you have been saved, what? Through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. I put my faith, I put my trust, I put my confidence in the shed blood of Jesus on the cross for my sins. And I have that relationship. I'm attached to Jesus. I'm a part of the vine. And what I want to do is I now want to grow in that relationship with Jesus. You know, this isn't just about praying a prayer and guaranteeing that when I pray the prayer, I'm going to end up in heaven. I I did that. Everybody wants to go to heaven. But when God is talking about faith, when Paul is talking about faith, when Jesus is talking about faith, he's talking about something the way that we live, day in and day out, good, bad, ugly, the challenges of life that we want to know and experience him. You see, our faith doesn't just end by a prayer or a commitment that we make. It's a passion. It's the way that we're to live our lives. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul makes some interesting statement about the way that we're to live, about the aim of the way that you and I are supposed to live. It's not just this thing that I pray, but there is to be something in my life that draws me to faith day in and day out. My, my body is wasting away. Life is wasting away. Difficulties and challenges come into our lives almost on a daily basis. And how we embrace them is important. So notice what Paul writes to the people of Corinth. He says this. 
Now it is God who made us for this very purpose. What? That we would live for him. Whether my body's breaking down, whether there's all of this stuff is going on, whether there's difficulties and challenges in my life, despite all of that, I'm to live a certain way. Now it is God who made for us for this very purpose and it's given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident. It means to have certainty about a matter. And know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. And notice what he says. Here's the key word. We live by faith, not by sight. And we, you and I, are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and to be at home with the Lord. In the context, Paul is talking about our bodies are breaking down. I'm getting older. I can't do the things that I did. Our bodies are breaking. We can look and see so many things around us that are changing. They're breaking down. And despite all of that, despite what's going on with my body, the Bible says this, that I'm to live by faith. I'm to embrace him by faith and to look to him and to trust him for faith. And in the context of this, what am I trusting in God's faithfulness for? That one day I'm going to get a new body. 1 Corinthians 15. I am going to get a new body because God is faithful. And I'm going to live forever in the presence of the Lord. Absent with the body is what? Home with the Lord. I'm going to absolutely live 100% with Jesus. Why? Because he is absolutely faithful and he is trustworthy. That's what Paul is reminding us. In in the midst of all of this stuff that's going on, I, I can trust God because he is faithful to me. David, despite all that David experienced, all that he saw, he was able to affirm the faithfulness of God. If God was faithful to Moses, if God was faithful to the people of Israel, and if God was faithful to David, we can know and understand that God will be faithful to us. Psalm 145 says this. David speaking, he's a king. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. He's probably thinking of something in the future, an everlasting kingdom. God's kingdom, rule and reign, is going to be established. And your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is what? He's faithful to all his promises and loving toward all that he has made. Let me ask you something. Do you believe in God's faithfulness? Despite where you're at and how difficult life may be right now? Or are you hanging on to the very fact that God is faithful to you? And what I mean is there's practical areas of our lives. Consider the reality of everyday life for you and I. Do you embrace this type of faithfulness to God? Maybe you're struggling in an area. Let me ask you, you ever, you ever experienced temptation? You ever sin? I, I, I experienced temptation. I would imagine you would experience temptation. In the midst of that temptation, in the midst of the difficulties and challenges of living spiritually for the Lord, God is faithful to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says this, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. You and I experience common temptations. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, what? He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. In the midst of our temptation, in the midst of wanting to get rid of it all or or do something immoral, do something bad, the Bible says, listen, there is a way of escape and God is faithful to lead you through that. Do you believe that about God's faithfulness? God's faithfulness touches us every day. Uh, What about a lack of hope? Man, I'm in a job. And the circumstance, I, I, I don't know what to do. I just want to give up. I just want to just throw the whole thing up. This God thing hasn't worked. Book of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. The hope that we profess in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And his ability to see and know what's going on in our lives and to help us. For he who promised is what? 
He's faithful. Faithful means this. He's going he's to fulfill an obligation. He's going to fulfill a responsibility to him. Do you believe that in the midst of wherever you might find yourself that God is faithful? What about sin? I know we don't like to talk about sin, and no one in here sins. But we do sin, don't we? You know what's really frightening is the sin that enters my heart. Oh, it's disgusting at times. The sin that resonates deep within our hearts. The Bible says this, in the midst of your sin, in the midst of our sin, God is absolutely faithful, even when we're not faithful. When somebody sins against us, or, or maybe somebody hurts us, and we're supposed to be faithful in the way that we respond to them, God says, listen, in the midst of that sin, I'm faithful. First John verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 9 says this, If we confess our sins, God, I'm so sorry, will you forgive me of my sin? He is faithful and just, what? To forgive us of our sins and to purify from all unrighteousness. Not only does he forgive us, but he purifies us. He cleanses us on the inside once again where we stand before a holy God, clothed in the very righteousness of God. Or or what about being in a place of despair, thinking, man, I'm all alone here. God, God just has kind of forgotten about me. I want you to, to think through the grid of the attributes of God. For Let's just think through the grid of Psalm 139 for a minute. And this is what I mean. The Bible talks about God being omniscience. God knows all. By the way, God knows everything that's going on in your life. He knows everything about you. He knows the experiences that you're going on. Psalm 139 also affirms God's omnipotence. In other words, God's all-powerful. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, if he can create out of nothing, God is all-powerful, and that's one of the attributes of God. Psalm 139 also affirms God's omnipresence. In other words, God is with you. That's the song that we just talked about. He is with you. He is with you. It may not feel like it. You may not be experiencing it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is with us. And by the way, God is truthful. He's always truthful. God never lies. He's absolutely 100% truthful. And the final attribute is this, that God is immutable and means he can't change. All of those attributes, think about in the grid of where you may standing in life and how difficult it, is, difficult it may be for you. And maybe you don't understand it all and God is saying, I know all about it. I can help you unfaithful. And that's why David in Psalm 56 can say this, Record my lament. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? God, God, don't you have a record of all of my tears? Don't you see everything that's going on in my life? And can't you help me? Yes. Why? Because God is absolutely faithful to his children, even when we are not faithful to him. God has demonstrated his faithfulness to us. And by the way, God is going to demonstrate his faithfulness in the future because one day it says this, I'm going to wipe away every tear. There's going to be no more crying. There's not going to be any more mourning. There's only going to be joy in my presence. Why? Because of God, of who he is, and his faithfulness to us. Do you know it and understand it? And are you trusting in the faithfulness of God? There's a book um, called The Hiding Place. And Corey Tenboom um, was a part of, her and her family were part of hiding Jewish people during the war. And they eventually got, got caught and were thrown into a, a concentration camp, and she wrote the book, The Hiding Place. But her sister, in the midst of this um, concentration camp, her, her sister said these words, there is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. Highlighting Psalm 23, verse 4. There is no pit so deep 
that he is not deeper still. Terry mentioned the book of Lamentations. I went back and read Lamentations chapter 3. The prophet is just weeping. The destruction of Jerusalem that's been destroyed, has been ransacked by Babylon. By the way, they told them, that this, God told them that this is going to happen. The temple's gone. The people are gone. The community is gone. All of this is gone. He's probably facing persecution. This is a bad thing for the prophet Jeremiah. And that's when he says these words, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for your compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Think about this. When God says he'll provide, he's going to provide. When God says he'll forgive, he's going to forgive. When God says he'll be there, he's going to be there. In other words, God is faithful. God is faithful to all of his promises. So, so, so where are you at in life? Do not doubt the faithfulness of God. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Sometimes it's going to be very, very hard. God doesn't promise that life is going to be really easy and rosy. But God says, listen, in the midst of the pain and the suffering, I will be with you, Joseph, in prison. Paul in prison. There's, there's testimony all throughout the scriptures that God is faithful. So what is our responsibility? What is our response? If God has been faithful to us, what is our response in, in this idea that the Spirit of God desires that you and I be faithful people? Two things that I want to leave you with. Number one is this. Because God is faithful to us, you and I have been entrusted with this stewardship. In other words, what we need to do is we need to be faithful to what God has entrusted to us. The stewardship that God has entrusted to us. The word faithfulness has the idea of of being faithful to keep our promises. God has been faithful to keep his word and he's been faithful to us. Now what we need to do is we need to be faithful to the responsibilities that God has given to us, the responsibilities that he's entrusted to us. It could be a job, it could be a family. Hopefully it's in the body of Christ. But whatever God has stewarded to us, whatever God has given to us, we need to be faithful to these circumstances and to the Lord. The English dictionary defines faithfulness as this. Loyalty. Dependability, a firm and unchanging attachment to a person or idea. And by the way, the, the word assumes that there's going to be difficulties. There's going to be challenges in life. In other words, you're not just faithful when life is rosy and it's easy. You are faithful when life is difficult and you've had the experience of a setback or a switch, a switchback. You're going to remain faithful. Clint. By, by the way, I'm moving next Saturday. Would you be willing to come and help me move? Oh, man. Listen, I'm 60-something years old. I can carry little boxes. Okay, I'm going to be there. I'm going to show up at 9 o'clock at your house. Well, Friday night, I get the call. Clint, guess what? I got tickets to the baseball game. We need to leave at 9 o'clock in the morning. You're on? Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Are, are you that kind of person that remains faithful even when the better things pop up? Or are you a man or a woman of your word? Let your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. Or, or are we always waiting for the next thing to come up? Because the Bible talks about this idea of being faithful, to show up, to be a man or a woman of your word. I'm going to be a, a faithful person at my job. I'm going to go above and beyond for the glory of God at my job. In my neighborhood, I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to be faithful to my neighbors, my family. I'm going to be faithful in that context for the glory of God, that he would be honored and glorified in my life. Are we that kind of person in our family? 
Are we faithful to the responsibility and the tax that the Lord has given to us? By the way, the book of Revelation says it's about Jesus. He is faithful and true. Faithful and true. We're to imitate Jesus. So we need to be faithful and true. First Thessalonians says this, Faithful is he who calls you, and he will bring it to pass. You and I are tasked to be responsible and faithful to what he's entrusted to us. It could be a mom, you know, the responsibility of a dad, or a position at work. You know, wherever God has brought you, he's brought you there for a purpose, to honor and glorify him. Whether you eat, whether you drink, do all to the glory of God. And that is a stewardship that's been entrusted to us. And by the way, one day we're going to stand before God and we are going to give an account for this stewardship that's been handed to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 says this. Paul says this. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust prove faithful. Now he's talking about, he's talking about apostleship there. He's talking about his responsibility as apostle. But even at the end he goes, listen, you need to imitate me in the way that I live out the stewardship of what God has entrusted to me. God has entrusted to me this stewardship of taking the message of the gospel to other people. No matter where you're at. Be it faithful to the stewardship that God has entrusted to you. That word prove means this. It means by examination. It means by examination. Must prove to be faithful. In other words, what people see in my life, what people see in your life, it, it reveals that we are being faithful to the task that God has entrusted to us. Or are we being wishy-washy? Ah, you know what? Something else came up. I can do this. I don't need to, I don't need to do this. There's a guy by the name of Lewis Smeads. Uh, he wrote a, a lot on the, the subject of forgiveness. And he just, he said something that, that resonated well. And I think it kind of encapsulates this whole idea of stewardship. And notice what he says. He says, somewhere people still make promises and keep them. They choose not to quit when the going gets rough because they promise once to see it through. They stick to lost causes. They hold to a love grown cold. They say with people who become a pain in the neck. I'm a pain in the neck sometimes. I get it. Thank you for your grace. They still dare to make promises and care enough to keep the promises they make. That, that, that is the faithfulness that you and I are to live and to demonstrate, if you will, prove to the family of God, the families around us and the people around us, that, that God has been faithful to us. He's been incredibly gracious to us. We revel in the way that he's transformed our life. Now we live that transformed life in the idea of faithfulness to other people. Real quickly, what are you and I stewards of? Number one, we're stewards of the gospel message. We are stewards of the gospel message. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think sometimes we forget about this. We forget about the responsibility that we have to take the message of Jesus to other people. It's easy to do. You know, we get enclosed within our Christian friends, and it's easy to forget. You know, in our Sunday morning class, we're watching this DVD called uh, Ends of the Earth. And it's about MAF and they're Indonesia and they're going to this little village, this village in Indonesia somewhere. And at some point they talk about uh, going to this little village and this man, this villager is describing what had happened in life. And he's standing there and he takes off his shirt and he begins to throw all of this dirt and he's rubbing this dirt on him, describing his life. And he says, this is the way that we used to see ourselves. We used to get rid of our, our, our women because... We thought that sometimes they were doing something evil. We were just having dirt all over us. 
And then he takes and he takes his shirt and he puts it on. He puts the shirt on. He says, and, and now this is what we are in Jesus. We're clothed with the very righteousness of Jesus because of who we is and what he's done for us. And I think sometimes we forget that you and I come in contact with family and friends that are just like that, only a different, they're lost because they don't know Jesus. And you and I have been given the incredible privilege and responsibility to take the message of Jesus out. Paul wrote these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. It says this, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and notice he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Knowing and understand the primary and significance important of the gospel message God has entrusted, not just to people like Paul, but to you and I. You and I have the privilege of going to our friends, family, neighbors, and take the message of Jesus, the life-changing, transforming message of Jesus, so that they can remove that, uh, that sickness of, of sin, the dirt and the shame that's all a part of their lives, and embrace the very righteousness of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Lord, may we be a people whose heart break because we know that people are separated from Christ. We're stewardships of the message of Jesus. Second thing is this. We're, we're, we need to be faithful stewards of, of, our, of our resources. Man, we have a lot of stuff, don't we? Man, I have a house. I've got two cars. I've got motorcycles. I, I mean, I have a lot of stuff. And I think what God reminds us is, listen, I, I've given you those things. I've entrusted those blessings to you for a purpose. I've entrusted them to your care so that you would be a good steward of them. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's other resources. Maybe, maybe it's some other thing. Maybe you have a car. Maybe you have something else that you have to offer someone else. We are simply stewards of all that God has entrusted to us. And as we be good stewards of all that God's entrusted to us, maybe our time, talent, treasure, as we're good stewards of all this, ultimately what we're doing is we're storing up our uh, possessions, if you will, or our blessings in heaven. We're storing up treasure, if you will, Matthew chapter 6 in heaven. You can't outgive God. You know, and, and we have a stewardship entrusted to us to be good stewards of all the things that God has given to us for his honor and for his glory. So we're stewardship of the gospel message. We're stewardship of our positions. Number three, we're stewardships. We're, we're stewards to each other. There's a responsibility that you and I have to each other. You behold your brother in need. Don't close your heart to him. Open your heart and Give. We have a responsibility. If we're, if we're born again by the Spirit of God, God has placed us in the family of God, but he's also given us, he's given us a spiritual gift. And you and I are to steward the spiritual gift that God has given to us, not just for one person, but for the common good of all of us. I, I don't benefit when you don't use your spiritual gift in the body of Christ. Think about a business. Think about somebody not doing their responsibility in a business. The, the business is going to be hurt because people don't do or are not faithful to their responsibility. It's the same in the body of Christ. God says, here's the spiritual gift. Maybe God's given you wisdom. Maybe God's given you leadership. Maybe God's given you a teaching gift. Are you exercising that spiritual gift of the glory of God so that others in the family of God 
learn and grow. And what do they do? They become fruitful on the vine. Romans chapter 12 says this. Notice what Paul is saying in the context of spiritual gifts. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. In other words, God has graced you and I with a spiritual gift. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. In other words, are we faithfully using the spiritual gift that God has given us in the body of Christ? And maybe you're at a place that, Clint, the only thing that I can do right now is I can only pray. Then pray. Then only pray. Or only encourage. Or make a phone call. Or send a letter. You know, what has God gifted you in, in the family of God? And are we using that and demonstrating that to God's faithfulness? So the gospel message, our possessions, our responsibility of the community of faith, and the last thing I want to deal with is the opportunities that are given to us. You know, God is working in, in the world. Sometimes we may not see it. But as we go about our days, we go about our lives, we have the opportunity to do good. And maybe what God is doing is God is opening up opportunities for us to sow the word of God, to speak the message of Christ, or to do something good for other people. Do we have our eyes and ears open to the opportunities before us? We talked a little bit about this idea of goodness of God and doing good. Paul wrote these words. Notice what he says, Colossians 4. Be wise in the way that you act toward what? Outsiders. There's an assumption that you and I are going to be around outsiders, people outside of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if we believe that God was sovereign, maybe God is going to be directing those people into your path. And what are we praying for? Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Every day, we have the opportunity to keep our eyes and ears open to the needs of the world around us. And may we be open and transparent to those types of things and allow us to respond in a way that's good. And it doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's looking at the opportunities that God has presented before us. And maybe it's not so much looking at my life and what I'm supposed to be doing for myself, but looking about who God is, what he's done in being faithful to me. And just branching out a little bit and responding to those around us who are in need. You know, Martin Luther, I want to end with this, this uh, illustration. Martin Luther uh, was approached by a man who wanted to know how we could serve God. And this is what Martin Luther said. He said, what is your work now? The man said, I'm a shoemaker. Much to the cobbler's surprise, Luther replied, then make good shoes and sell them at a fair price. Luther didn't tell the man to make Christian shoes. He didn't tell the man to leave his store and become a monk. He simply said, listen, wherever you are at in life, do all to the glory of God, recognizing that you have a stewardship responsibility to do good and be that kind of light in the world. Whether you're a student in your school, whether you're working in a factory, no matter where you are at, people are looking at us. And we have the incredible opportunity to live to the glory of God because of the faithfulness of God. The last thing I wanted to say, and I'm not going to deal with this, is that because God has been faithful to us, we have a stewardship to be faithful and and trusted. The last thing is this. God blesses faithfulness. God will bless your faithfulness. It could be financially. It could be some other way. It could be maybe in, in the future in heaven. 
but you cannot outgive God. God blesses faithfulness. And we can see and look around at the people in this room. We can see and experience God's faithfulness in the past through our missions. We can look and see God's faithfulness in the past and how He has been consistently proven to be a good God. I don't know where you're at with God's faithfulness. You know, maybe, maybe you're just in a place right now where life is really hard. Remember, God is faithful. Maybe you're thinking about giving up, you're bailing on this. Remember that God is faithful. And maybe you're not sure where you should be in using your gifts, your talents, your abilities. Remember, God is faithful and God wants to use you in the body of Christ because God is faithful. Father, thank you for your goodness. Father, thank you that you have proven yourself to be faithful, not only in the individual lives of every person in this room, but Lord, in our church, in our ministries. Father, you have been faithful. And we thank you for that. Father, we ask that this morning uh, we would remember your faithfulness to us and we would simply, Lord, just do the best that we can because of the Spirit of God living inside of us to live and act in a way that demonstrates your goodness to other people. Lord, help us to remain faithful. Father, may our yeses be yeses and our noes be noes to who you are and what you've done for us. And all of God's people said,